0: Search for Slaycation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the 1970s and 80s, a monster hunted the Connecticut River Valley. Seven bodies found, one survivor, and no suspects. I'm Jane Borowski, host of Invisible Tears. I was seven months pregnant and stabbed What's most unsettling about serial killers isn't that they prey on the innocent, but that they strike in a cold and calculated manner, and often have no remorse for any of their actions. These are the five most terrifying and chilling murderers ever. Number 5. Grim Sleeper Known as the Grim Sleeper, Lonnie Franklin Jr. grew up in South Central Los Angeles. He was married once with two children and described by his neighbors as a quiet, friendly man. Nobody ever pegged him to be a serial killer because he didn't fit the profile. About 80% of all serial killers are white males between the ages of 20 and 30. Lonnie Franklin is a black man who committed his first known crime at 32 years old. He also chose his victims very carefully, hunting black women in the sex trade people the public and law enforcement often overlooked. As the grim sleeper, he first struck on August 10, 1985, when he attacked 29-year-old Deborah Jackson. Her body was found in an alley with three bullet wounds to the head. After that, six more women were found in the same exact way. Most of these females were raped, beaten, and then shot with a 25 caliber rifle, At least one male named Thomas Steele was killed in August of 1986. Although that murder hasn't been officially linked to the Grim Sleeper, detectives believe he was also a victim. But not everyone he attacked was killed. On November 20th, 1988, 30-year-old Anitra Washington was walking to a friend's house when a man in an orange Ford Pinto stopped to offer her a ride. She initially refused, but after some persuading, she got in. The man told her to put her seatbelt on, and when she didn't, he shot her in the chest before beating her up and raping her. When he was done, he opened the car door, pushed her out, and left her on the side of the road to die. Despite her injuries, Washington managed to reach her friend's house and was able to get help and then recover from her wounds. Starting in 1988, the Grim Sleeper remained dormant for the next 14 years. Then in 2002, another victim was found with the same M.O. and linked to the initial slayings. In addition, two other victims followed with the last known murder happening on January 1st, 2007. Genesia Peters was found naked and stuffed inside a garbage bag that had been thrown into a back-alley dumpster. She too was shot dead with a gun that matched the 25 caliber used in the crimes, and that same gun was later found in Lonnie Franklin's house. Despite the supposed sleep period, detectives now believe Franklin remained active between 1988 and 2002. There were other possible victims, but they were never brought to trial because it would have delayed the initial one in which they had solid evidence to convict him. So in the end, Lonnie was found guilty in 2010 and sentenced to death. Currently, at the age of 64, he now joins 746 people awaiting execution on California's death row. Number 4. Southern Pacific Railroad Axeman In the early 1900s, the axe was an item found in nearly every home, so it's no surprise that it became a weapon for a serial murder as well. The first reported axe killing was in January of 1911 in Rain, Louisiana. The victims were a mother and her three-year-old child, Both were hacked to death while they silently slept in their beds. By February, the killer struck again, this time ten miles away in Crowley, where three people from the Byers family were killed. Less than two weeks later, four people from the Andres family were mutilated in Lafayette, every single one of them murdered in their sleep using an axe. Soon, the same type of crime and possibly killer started showing up in Texas, On March 22, 1911, the Cassaway family was asleep inside their home when they were all slaughtered. They were an interracial couple, and Lewis and his six-year-old daughter were asleep in the daybed when both their heads were crushed with the blunt end of the axe. Oddly, Lewis's face was covered with a cloth. His wife and two other children were found dead in their bedrooms. The wife, who was not named, was badly disfigured and suffered multiple blows to the head and face and nothing in the home was disturbed or taken. Then another killing happened in Louisiana, and this time it was another mixed-race couple. Six members of the Norbert Randall family were bludgeoned in their home in November of 1911. A person of interest was arrested, but no concrete evidence was secured and the killings continued to happen. Another mixed-race family was killed in January of 1912, with the killer leaving a note that read, When he maketh the inquisition for blood, he forgetteth not the crime of the humble. Human 5 Another interracial family was killed in February, then again in March. This time, police were able to piece together the fact that this killer was targeting areas that had stops along the Southern Pacific Railroad line. They were then able to predict the next murder would happen in San Antonio, but had no way of knowing where or who would be the targets. Sure enough, in April, the mixed-race William Burton family was massacred in their San Antonio home. Three more mixed-race families were attacked and killed shortly after, before the axe-wielding psychopath went into hiding for the next four months. People in the area, of course, were terrified. The panic was high in most neighborhoods and resulted in some individuals being killed out of mistaken identity. The real axe man came out of his hiatus in August of 1912 when he tried to attack another mixed-race family. Mrs. Dashiell woke up with enormous pain when an axe struck her arm. She made a run for it and started screaming for help, which ultimately frightened the killer away. And it appears she may have scared him off for good because that was the last known crime ever associated with the axe murderer. No other killings occurred, and today, it remains unclear why the Axeman specifically targeted white women in mixed marriages along with their families. Number 3. The Stone Man The title of the Stone Man first appeared in the English-language print media of Calcutta. It was used as a moniker for a serial killer who had a panache for smashing his victim's skulls using a stone while they slept. The murders concentrated on two major areas in India, Bombay and Calcutta. Although no one knows for sure whether it's the same killer, the similarities in the crimes make it highly likely. In 1985, the first hints of the stone man appeared and continued for two years. This murderer would carefully choose his victims, picking those who were sleeping alone in desolate and dimly lit areas. He would often attack past midnight, finding a large stone nearby, and then drop it on the person's head. Beggars, prostitutes, and homeless people were often the targets, without any care for gender as long as they were sleeping on the street. Most of the time, the victims would be difficult to identify because the head would be so severely destroyed. In fact, no families have ever come forward to claim any of the bodies. It wasn't until after the sixth victim was reported that the police began seeing the pattern. And during the Bombay attacks, at least one person survived. It was a waiter who was bludgeoned with a stone while sleeping on the street. About 12 people were killed during these Bombay attacks, but as soon as the stoneman appeared in the paper, the killings then stopped. But by 1989, the next wave of murders occurred, and this time it was in Calcutta. It was the same M.O., The killer would choose victims sleeping in public and the weapon of choice was a huge and heavy stone that would be left at the crime scene. The first victim was killed in June that year and over the next 6 months 12 more people would die in the same way. Police presence was increased in various areas and arrests were also made on possible suspects. However, like the first round of killings, the second wave in Calcutta mysteriously stopped. And those who were questioned about the crimes were eventually let go due to lack of evidence. A few similar murders happened in other parts of India but many believe they are simply copycat killers and are most likely unrelated to the main two incidents. To this day, no one has been able to identify the stone man and what his motives were for killing so many people. Number 2. Javid Mughal only $2.40. That was the amount Javid Mughal proclaimed as the amount of money he spent in disposing of one child. In December of 1999, the 45-year-old wrote a letter to a local Pakistani newspaper confessing that he had murdered 100 boys, mostly beggars and runaways that were between the ages of 6 and 16. He would lure the children and gain their confidence before drugging and then raping them. Afterwards, they would be mutilated, their bodies cut into pieces before being placed inside acid vats to dissolve. After they were fully liquefied, he would dump them into the sewer and later in the Ravi River. Many of the businesses that Javid set up were designed specifically to lure and attract young boys. For instance, he was the first in his area to open a video game shop. He would offer boys a reduced rate on the tokens or sometimes even let them play for free. He would also run various schemes like throwing 100 rupees on the floor and watch the boy who would pick it up. Afterwards, he would catch the quote-unquote thief and bring him to the back room to be sodomized as punishment. When people stopped their children from heading to the video game shop, Javid tried putting up an aquarium and later on a gym for young men. He also kept detailed records of his kills even keeping the boys' clothes and photographs as trophies. When police raided his home, these items were shown to relatives in a bid to help identify the victims. After his arrest, Javid elaborated that he committed these heinous acts out of retaliation for being badly beaten and brutalized by the police when he was arrested on suspicion of molesting two young boys in 1998. In the end, Javid was sentenced to death. A Pakistani court told him he would be strangled in front of the parents of the murdered children, then his body would be cut into a hundred pieces and put into acid, the same way he had killed the children. However, before he could even face execution, he was found strangled to death in his prison cell, and was most likely killed by another inmate. Number 1. Ted Bundy One of the most notorious serial killers of the 20th century, it's no surprise Ted Bundy is top of this list. His good looks and charm made it easy for him to win over his victim's trust, resulting in over 30 murdered women, but many believe the numbers could be higher. Theodore Bundy was born in Burlington, Vermont, on November 24, 1946, to a young, unwed mother named Louise. Out of embarrassment, his grandparents decided to legally adopt him, passing themselves as his parents and telling him that his mother was his sister. As he grew older, he began peeping and stealing items in the neighborhood. Later on, he eventually found out about his mom, and soon there was a noticeable shift in his personality. He dropped the introverted and socially awkward persona and became a more confident and outgoing individual, eventually earning a psychology degree and applying to law school. No one knows exactly when he began killing. Some say he may have started as a teenager, but most agree, including Bundy himself, that by 1974, he had honed the skills he needed to kill, as well as cover his tracks. On January 4, 1974, Bundy broke into the basement bedroom of a University of Washington student and bludgeoned as well as sexually assaulted her. She survived, but with permanent brain damage, and he continued to assault more women this way, and police began piecing together his M.O. Witnesses reported seeing a man with an arm sling or crutches asking for help carrying his books or briefcase to his Volkswagen Beetle. Although many of the witnesses identified Bundy from a composite sketch, the police simply didn't believe that a clean-cut aspiring lawyer with no criminal record could be a serial killer. When he moved to utah for school women around the area began disappearing as well a total of eight were killed but carol de however was a rare survivor of his attacks she was lured by him under the pretense of being a police officer but she managed to fight him off and get away bundy then moved to colorado and killed more women including a 12 year old girl named lynette culver He drowned her in a stream before taking her body back to his hotel to sexually assault. In the pre dawn hours of 1975, Bundy was cruising a neighborhood when he spotted a police cruiser and then sped away. He was then booked for resisting arrest, and incriminating evidence was found in his car, including a ski mask, handcuffs, crowbar, and an ice pick. He was released on bail, but police finally considered him as a suspect. Moreover, Carol Durant managed to identify him as Officer Roseland, the man that attempted to abduct her. Bundy stood trial for her kidnapping and assault and was sentenced to 1 to 15 years in prison. But shortly after, he was extradited to Colorado for the murder trial of another victim, where he chose to serve as his own counsel. While court was on break, he asked to use the courthouse library and jumped out of a second-floor window and escaped. He went on the run for six days after that before finally being arrested again. Back in jail, he escaped, yet again, by boring a hole through a ceiling crawl space. He then stole a car, headed for Atlanta, and wound up in Florida, where he would begin another crime spree. In January of 1978, he broke into a sorority house and attacked four women, two of which would later die from their wounds. A month later he also killed another 12-year-old girl. He was soon arrested when a police officer discovered he was using a stolen car. Bundy went on trial for several murders and received a death sentence. He died in the electric chair on January 24, 1989, and prior to his death confessed to several other murders that police had not known about. Bundy's MO varied over the course of his criminal life, but while many may know him as a killer, Not everyone realizes he was far worse. He not only bludgeoned his victims and sexually assaulted them, sometimes with foreign objects, but he also raped children as well. He admitted to engaging in necrophilia, often revisiting the bodies and performing various acts until they were too decomposed to continue. He also decapitated twelve of his victims, keeping their heads in his home, washing their hair and putting fresh makeup on their faces. At some point, he also consumed some of his victims' flesh and made it a habit to bite many of them. What's more, during his off-season, he said he would often do a catch and release, luring trusting women and letting them go without harm, simply to keep his skills sharp. So those were the five most terrifying and chilling murderers ever. No one knows for sure what motivated these killers to brutally torture, Mutilate and kill without remorse, but it remains a fact their methods and tactics are some of the most disturbing anyone will ever see. If you like this video, then please subscribe to our channel. We have a lot of videos coming out every single week that we know you'll like. Thanks for watching. I'll see you next week.